Murderer! Don't even try. <gasps> you know you owe me another can of tuna and I won the bet fair and square. Sure, but at what cost, Billy? At what cost? 250 bucks if I'm not wrong. Now skedaddle and get me the rest of my tuna. I'm sorry, Billy, but I just can't. I can't do it. I cannot buy you tuna anymore. Or... Ah, you made me a promise, Barney, and I took you for your word, and now... I'm a vegan now, Billy, and if you plan to continue living here, you'd better get in line and get ready for some crunchy vegetables. Ugh, I would rather die. Well, the planet is dying, and I'm trying to save it unlike you. <laughs> sure you are. Listen, I'm a cat, a carnivore. You know what that means? I need meat because that's my diet. I'm an all-natural meat lover. Come on, Billy. Just try to understand. It's the climate. It's all the pollution. And everything is heating up. We just can't add to it. I'm doing this for us, you know. I will die. Oh, don't worry about it. I've seen you gobble up bread and milk when you have to. Besides, they make stuff that tastes exactly like meat nowadays. Not to me. Look here, Barney. This is out of hand now, all right? Let me tell you something, okay? All of the vegetables and grain eating that you do, that isn't great either. The problem isn't what you eat, Barney. It's all about how you humans produce it. And that's a huge problem. What? What do you mean? What I mean is that the pollution is in the process, Barney. And the process through which vegetarian food comes to your plate isn't that great either. Well, I mean, nothing is perfect. Perfect? Ha! You're about to be gobsmacked. Strap in, Barney. It's time for one of my journeys. Ugh! How? How do we always get here? Sweet martyr Barney, we're going on an international globe-trotting, all-expenses-paid vacation to the green soup lagoon that spits up fish. The Barney and Billy Show is this just an excuse for you to mentally torture me? No, this is an excuse for me to convince you that my love for tuna isn't exactly the reason why this planet is gradually turning into a furnace. I have all the facts, Billy. Meat is one of the biggest contributors to climate change. The statistics are all out there, so you can't fool me. And 17% of the world's greenhouse gases are sent out by the stuff that you humans grow in farms. So... Yeah, of course. We're talking vegetables and crops here. The gases are bound to be green. No, you ignoramus. Greenhouse gases are gases like carbon dioxide that warm the planet. 17% of those gases. 17% doesn't sound like that much to me. 17% is a lot more than you would think. Pack your mental bags, Barney. Let the fishy lagoon begin your journey towards enlightenment. I mean, I doubt you hold the secret key to enlightenment. But sure, let's see what you think, you know. <clears throat> Imagine this. Crystal clear, warm waters, sun filtering through, a slice of paradise. I can't even get you into the bathtub. Let me see you jump into a lagoon, Billy. Focus, Barney. Of course I don't like water. I'm a cat. A carnivorous cat. Okay, okay. Where is this lagoon? We're in the Marmanor Lagoon. Soaking in the mild Mediterranean climate and warm salty air of southeastern Spain. But now... This is about to get nasty, isn't it? Don't do this to me! My will is only so strong. Nasty? It's a green soupy lagoon with free fish! Thousands of them served up on the shore, all ready to eat. <laughs> Stop! A few years ago, Marmanor became a free, all-you-can-eat buffet. Any cat's dream. 
The water choked up the green algae and quickly the blue crystal lagoon looked a bit like a mm, pea soup. Pea soup? Okay, now that's a great example of what you can eat as a vegan. I'm so glad to see you hop on board. Don't though. you twist my words, Barney. <clears throat> anyway, once the mossy soup arrived, oh, the fish, they couldn't take it. They just couldn't breathe in the choked up lagoon. So, they died. Exactly. And landed on the shore ready to eat. Oh, yes. Why? Why is there green algae in the first place? And wh- wh- why are you telling me this? What does this have to do with farming? Well, that delightfully unbearable scene was caused by, you guessed it, the farms nearby. So they throw their weeds into the river? No! You do know that seaweed isn't weeds thrown into the river, right? It's a plant that grows in water and the farms essentially feed it too much. What? How could the seaweed eat up what's on the farm? The weeds are in the water? I'm so confused. What is this tale you're spinning for me? No, the seaweed doesn't eat up the produce on the farm. See, the farmers around the Marmanor Lagoon grow and export a whole load of vegetables like lettuce, broccoli and artichokes to the entire European region around. But in order to grow so much in limited land, they need a whole lot of fertilizer. Okay, let me guess. The farmers need to produce a whole lot more vegetables than the land could normally grow. So they use these chemical fertilizers to make the land more fertile and voila, they can grow more vegetables. I don't see what's so terrible about this. The runoff, of course. The runoff? The farmers spray the land with so much fertilizer that excesses of it flow into the lagoon and fill it with more nutrients than it needs. Oh, and the green sloppy moss gets to thinking that all those nutrients out there are for its benefit. Yes, and it consumes the nutrients and multiplies away. Oh, oh, and that's how the fishy shore is formed. So now, for my final argument. Horrible vegetables led to a green lagoon and thousands of dead fish. And a cat like me would leave sentiment out of it and simply eat those wasted fish. So, we would be a waste management natural decomposition vehicle. I see. You sure can spin a story, can't you? Do you even know the extent to which the meat industry causes pollution and global warming? I bet it's far more than these farms. 18%. 18% what? 18% of the world's greenhouse gases are emitted by the meat industry. That, if I'm not wrong, is just... uh... 1% more than farming. Okay, okay. You want to bring numbers into this? Let's do it. Let's bring numbers into this party. 80% of all land available for agriculture is used up by meat. The biggest water polluter, which also includes water bodies like your marmon or lagoon. You guessed it, the meat industry. I didn't just pop my head out of the window and decide to turn vegan, Billy. I did my research too, you know. Let me ask you something, Barney. Have you seen pictures of India's capital city in November? New Delhi? Yeah, I have. It's all grey, covered in a thick blanket of smoke. It's coated in a dense grey blanket of smog or smoke and fog every winter. Okay, yeah. But what do innocent vegetables have to do with that? It's the cars and the industries and whatnot. (coughs) Meat industry. No, I'm talking about rice. Rice? Now this just got personal. I can't believe you brought rice into this. Well, Barney, the problem lies not in the rice, but in the human process. Every winter, farmers in the states of North India get ready to chop off their ripe rice crop and send it to the market. And Yes, yes, I know. The North Indian farmers grow...
rice and harvest the ripe crop around October. Now the first problem of course has already arisen. Problem? What problem? I don't see any problem. But now with me... The problem is with the rice itself. First of all, it's not a crop that would usually grow in the area. So it sucks more water and nutrients than the land can even provide. And you know what that means? Farmers have to use chemical fertilizers to make the land ready for the rice. I know. It's not ideal, but things are changing, Billy. And they dry up the water table by using up all the excess water. Looky here. I cannot quit rice. And either way, meat factories are still the biggest water polluters and consumers. So by at least stopping to eat meat, we can prevent that. But anyway, what does it have to do with the thick blanket of smoke that covers Delhi every year? The grey smoke monster that haunts Delhi is the creation of rice. Because when the rice is cut and harvested, every plant's thick, strawy, dry, sturdy stem is still left in the soil. Yep, it's called the stubble. Exactly. The thick and hard stubble remains firmly planted in the ground. So? So, so the farmers can't just leave their farms and go somewhere else to grow more crops for the next year. They can just pull out the stubble and there you have it. The farms are theirs again. That's the beauty of farming. Yeah, sure they can. But we're talking about humans here. And the problem, as I said, is in the process. What are these processes that you keep going on about? Well, the farmers in these parts need to plant their wheat crop just a few days after harvesting the rice, or it won't be ripe in time for the wheat season. And that's why they just don't have time to sit around and pull out the rice stubble. They can use machines, duh. Two things. First, the machines are expensive. And second, farmers claim that they aren't perfect. On top of that, even after using machines, Farmers have to figure out what to do with all that wasted stubble. Okay, so what do they do? Well, they get themselves ready with a big blazing flame and set fire to the dry stubble. Wait a second. F-I-R-E, as in fire. That cannot be true. We don't live in the dark ages, Billy. Every October and November, huge kilometer-wide fires overtake the farms of North but India. But then they'll burn off all the good stuff as well. What if they burn off the ripe rice that they just cut? What if they burn down their own homes? Or worse, their pets? <sighs> Relax. They've done this for hundreds of years. No one's getting burned. The problem isn't that it gets out of control. The problem lies in the farm ah, fire itself. So what you're saying is that if I have to save this planet, I have to stop eating any food at all. Are you trying to kill your own best friend? You seem to be trying to kill your own cat slash best friend slash guru. So does it come as any surprise? But the Indian Agricultural Institute came up with a solution for this last year. What? Fasting? No, the Pusa Biodecomposer. It's basically a set of four capsules filled with fungus. Fungus? What kinds of solutions are these? Burning and fungus? Ew! Just listen. The farmers can dilute this fungus with some sugar and water and spray it on their farms. And then in just 25 days, the stubble is gone totally obliterated. So wait, are you telling me that this means this decomposed stubble is like all dead organic or natural matter and is also rich in nutrients so it also acts as a natural organic fertilizer? How awesome is that? Thank you. Thank you Billy for arguing on my behalf. No, what but... I'm hearing is that the process is great and that everything's good with farming now. Just go look at pictures of Delhi this year too. Unfortunately, only very few farmers have adopted the Pusa Biodecomposer. Why? It's the ultimate solution. Well, some of them claim that they don't have 25 days to wait till they plant their wheat. And many of them, they don't even know about it yet. Or forget that, they don't even have access to it. You've got my hopes up now, Billy. Look, either way, the Pusa Biodecomposer is great, but it's just a band-aid. A band-aid? Yeah, 
The real problem is disbalance. Farmers are growing only rice and wheat on land and sucking away all of its water and nutrients. But what else can they do? Rice and wheat are the main components of most of our meals. The land of North India isn't right for rice anyway. Besides, scientists have found that growing a wide variety of crops rather than just two helps the land stay healthy. So we have to change our diets then? You could balance it, eat local grains. Did you know that even though rice is grown in Punjab, its natural grain is not rice at all? It's stuff like maize. The problem is crops like rice and wheat grow fast and thanks to chemicals and other technologies, they grow in huge quantities. The need for food is growing in huge quantities too. Exactly. About 50 years ago, these processes made sure that everyone got their fair share of food. But now scientists have found that these practices are destroying the environment and sucking up the health of the land. Okay, so what happens if farmers grow a lot of crops that won't destroy the environment? It should be fine. All thanks to the power of science and technology, farmers can now grow both diverse crops and produce enough food. So why don't we just do that then? <laughs> well, you know, you humans stuck in your ways. And anyway, someone needs to fund the change. At first, it's going to cost farmers money that they don't have to make the switch. Okay, okay, I've got it. Here's the plan. I first got to find my local foods and create a diet around them. Then, we need to spread awareness, Billy, about crop diversity and also about the Pusa bio-decomposer. Thanks, Billy. I hate to say this, but I never knew this much about this topic. What were we arguing about again? About nothing. We don't have time for chit-chat, Pani. You need to start your research. This is about the planet. Global warming. Okay, okay. Come on. Help me. Can you just grab me a tuna real quick? I need energy for this important job. Tuna? Mm -hmm. Hurry! The planet waits for no one! Alright, alright. <laughs>